Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. And you know we're in this series called Now and Forever. Now and Forever. I want you to turn your attention to the screen as we prepare for the third episode, the third installment in this series. Check out this latest scene. Last week on Now and Forever. Joy's plan to replace Diago as the first hygienist of the office has succeeded. All that's left to do is impress her boss, Dr. Victor, and win his heart. Then all of her dreams will come true. But little does she know that Victor secretly plans to confess his love for Olivia, the office receptionist and Joy's best friend. Will their friendship survive Victor's stunning announcement? Does Olivia love him back? All this and more on today's episode of Now and Forever. Hey, Miss Jamie. Uh, hey, is that short for something? Uh, 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 I just finished cleaning those little monster's teeth. Is there anything I can do for you before I go on my lunch break? You know, as a matter of fact, Tiago, why don't you be a doll and uh, prepare my floss? Wait, why? You can prepare your own floss. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, did you forget who you were talking to? Uh. Hey, uh, did you know that a first hygienist is working on your teeth today? Yeah. And, and that first hygienist is me. Oh. Uh, okay, it's okay. I know you don't have to thank me. I'm really, I'm just doing my duties as a first hygienist. Uh, uh. Hey, Diago, are you ready with that floss? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Here. Uh, what is this? The floss you asked me for. Okay, I told you that I like my floss cut in nine inch increments. Okay, obviously your floss cutting skills are painfully lacking, so you must need some more practice. Cut a thousand pieces to my specifications before the end of the day. Hey Joy, here's that file you asked me for. Thanks, your life's Sure. Well, hold on, um, what is this? Miss Jamie's file. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not talking about the file, I'm talking about this paperclip. It's the wrong color. Are, are you trying to kill me? Uh, no girl, I'm not trying to kill you. It's a paperclip. What are you getting so worked up about? You know what? Just be honest with me, Olivia. You know, are, are you Brutus and I Caesar? You just can't handle that I'm rising to power and I'm popular among the patients, so you're trying to ruin me with the wrong color paperclip? How am I supposed to be the first hygienist with this kind of reputation? You're a disaster. I can't believe I ever wanted you to be in charge. You're worse than Diago ever was. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I mean, Diago was a pain, but... You're a complete tyrant. Thank you. I think. Okay, well you know what? You've become completely useless and annoying. So if you can't get my paperwork right, why don't you go back to the front desk? Don't you have some phones to answer or something? Jeez. Oh, oh God, sir, I I'm so sorry, oh. sir. I, I didn't see you there. Oh, it's quite all right. And please call me Victor. Um, I actually was looking for you. I wanted to talk to you about something. Oh, 
Okay, Victor, what is it? Um, well, uh, well, you see, I, I've been keeping a secret from you for quite some time. Um, well, it's, it's just that we have so much in common. Um, you know, our, our love of dentistry and of well-organized file folders and, and our taste in scrubs. <laughs> um, um, what I'm trying to say is, I've loved you for a very long time and I can no longer live without you in my life. You are the girl that I've dreamed of forever. Marry me and make my dental kingdom complete. Victor, I don't know what to say. It's just that, I, well, I have always wanted my own dental practice. Oh, um, well, don't you love me too? I mean, we can work on that part, but in the meantime, I actually have a secret of my own. What is it, Olivia? It's about Joy. She's not who you think she is. Will Olivia tell the doctor what Joy has done? Will Joy lose her place as first hygienist? Does Jamie's dental insurance cover this much drama? Find out next week on Now and Forever. Come on, put your hands together this morning. <laughs> How many know this is getting crazy quick? Oh, nothing like a little drama to start out your... Sunday morning. You know, in that episode, it's interesting how the very thing Joy thought that she wanted, when she gets it. How many of you know Joy's not handling success very well? Can I have a good amen? You know, sometimes we, when we talk about success, we say, well, success has a way of changing an individual. Or maybe success simply reveals who the person already was. Come on, hum at me this morning. Mm -mm -mm. Today, we're going to talk about how to handle success. And, you know, it's interesting because success can be a slippery thing. Joy's not handling success very well. And I wonder, sometimes when it comes to the blessings that we're after or the platform that we seek, I wonder when we get there, if we get there, how we get there, what we'll do with it when we have it. You know, success, sometimes we fight to get it. We struggle to keep it. And we oftentimes become ruined by it. Uh, Proverbs 10, is a great verse. Uh, before we get into the life of David, and we'll, we'll look at an episode, a season of his life where he's very successful. We'll watch how he handled success. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs 10, I love this verse because the scripture tells us, the blessings of the Lord make a person rich. Come on. How many of you know that you're rich when God blesses you? Not necessarily by the standards of this world or a certain level of income or a certain position or opportunity, but the blessings of the Lord make a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I, I love that verse because that tells me that's the goal of the Christian experience. We want to be blessed because of the goodness of God, and I'm, I'm so thankful that in Christ, the blessing doesn't have to have the bitter aftertaste. Are you with me? You know, the, the, the dangers of failure are obvious, but what about the dangers of success? God can help us be successful, but do we have to destroy ourselves 
in the process. How can you and I take the platform that God's given us and honor the Lord with it? Well, if you have your Bible, slip over to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I want to read to you an episode, and it's kind of one of those unfamiliar passages. We're, we're going to look at a, a, a unique relationship between David, who's now in the early stages of his kingdom, and there's a young man named Mephibosheth, okay? This is a, and, and, and I, I've been anxious to teach this because I think there's so much for us to learn from this unique, how many heard the story of David, David and Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth, don't say that fast. Might say like, might sound like you're saying a bad word or something. Let's call him Bo, Mephibosheth, David and Bo, okay? Check this out, 2 Samuel chapter 9, the Bible says this, one day, now again, this is in the early part of David's reign as king, one day David asked, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive. Now, let me give you some quick context here before we move forward in this passage to help you in your understanding. Originally, the first king of Israel was Saul. Saul was favored by God, but then the Spirit of the Lord left Saul based on choices that he began to make. And we see Saul taking a very different path as the touch of God was on David. And we talked about him several weeks ago, going from the sheep field to the battlefield. Now we see David as king. Then Saul's family, Saul had a jealous streak of David. In fact, we read again and again how Saul attempted to kill David. He pursued David. David lived as a fugitive for much of his life on the run. But yet David had a friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan. In fact, the scripture says in 1 Samuel 18 that the heart of Jonathan was knit to the heart of David and he loved him as his own soul. There was a commitment, there was a a connection that Jonathan and David had to one another. And so out of this, the scripture tells us that in a battle that both King Saul and his son Jonathan die. And the kingdom mourns because they lose their king. But God raises up David, a man after God's own heart, to assume leadership of God's people. And when David assumes that position of leadership and success, he asks, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Is there anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Everybody say kindness. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Maker, son of Emil. Now, I want to give you, out of this chapter, three distinct pictures, and I want to talk to you about how to handle a season of success. When you walk into blessing or you experience favor, there's a certain response, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, number one, and here's how David handled success. He handled it with humility. Everybody say humility. Ah, that's a beautiful word. I love that word. I think humility is one of the most attractive of all Christian virtues. Interesting to me how David reaches the pinnacle of his career, the highest platform, and yet in his spirit, he's still humble. I want to tell you this. Humility will allow you to serve others. Humility makes room in its heart to recognize others, to value 
others. Now, there was a common practice in, in ancient days, whenever a new king arose, that the family of the previous dynasty was put to death. In other words, it would be very common as David assumed leadership of the country that he would seek out any of Saul's descendants to eliminate them because those descendants of the previous regime would be the biggest threat to David's kingdom. That was common practice. Now, notice in the passage that we read, whenever David calls in Ziba, Ziba was a servant of Saul. He was still a sympathizer of Saul's family. He still looked after Saul's estate and affairs. And so David asked him, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? And Ziba says, yes, the son of Jonathan, who's crippled in both of his feet. Notice he didn't give him a name. Ziba didn't say, yes, it's Mephibosheth. He said, yes, there's a crippled son of Jonathan. Ziba identifies him by his condition, and he doesn't identify him by his name. Let me stop right here and say this. I'm so glad that the grace of God sees our condition but still calls us by name. Because so many times we live life defined by our condition, Sin, condemnation, guilt, the enemy refuses to call you by name, but will identify you by your condition. But grace sees you in your condition, but calls you by name. Is there anyone from Saul's family still alive? Now think about this. This kind of dialogue, I would, I would consider Zeba's thinking, okay, David's about to kill the only remaining survivor of Saul's family, the only living heir to an old dynasty, shouldn't that be the biggest threat to David's future success? Now Mephibosheth, Bo, as we're calling him, he's living down in Lodabar. Interesting, the name Lodabar means a wasteland, no fruit. It's a pasture that's empty, it's dry, it's barren. So the descendant of King Saul, Bo is living without hope, living in exile as a fugitive, and the king is asking about him. Now, if you're Bo, you're thinking, wait a second, I'm about to lose my life. I've been living in hiding for so long, yet David says, I want to be kind to this descendant of Saul. Kindness. You see, humility allows you to serve others. It's the beautiful thing about this. I'm going to tell you something about success. And perhaps the most important thing I'll say all day is this right here. Success is never about status. It's always about service. Success is not about status. It's about service. God will put you in a position of favor and blessing to give you margin to serve somebody else. Can I have a good amen? So, you know, for, for all of us, and there's nothing wrong with being ambitious. There's nothing wrong with having goals and, and dreams, maybe in your career, you know, career advancement. Some of you have gifts and talents and abilities. There's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I want to maximize everything that you've given me. But what I want you to pay attention to is this. When you step into that moment of success, know this, that that success is not about you. Success is not about status, it's always about service. And the beautiful thing in this passage to me, here David is, he is now king. He's the top dog. Everybody answers to him. He can do what he wants to do. In fact, everybody expected him to kill the descendants of Saul. But he said, no, I want to be kind. Humility allowed him 
to be kind. You know, I remember years ago when Rachel and I were doing youth ministry, and I talk about this from time to time. One of the things that we would do is we would go to different high schools, and we would, we would give pizza. We went to uh, over a dozen high schools in Ascension Parish and East Baton Rouge Parish, and, and uh, maybe for lunch we would deliver pizza. We'd, everybody get two slices of pizza, and they'd come to the gymnasium, and, and we would talk about character, talk about leadership. In many cases, we were able to talk about Jesus. And I think that's a beautiful way to go fishing. You bait a teenager with pizza, but you hook him with Christ. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I can remember, you know, we'd done that for several years. And so, um, you know, one, one of the local churches was having a, a, a service. And so Rachel and I brought a couple of our leaders. We said, hey, well, let's go check out that youth service across town. And so we get there and we're a few minutes late. And worship is already in progress. And so I'd never been in the building before, but wanted to be a part of the service. And so we came in and we just sat in the back. And then kids began to look. And when we came in, and I saw them looking back. And they were like, say, that's the pizza guy. And they're all starting to whisper and talk. And, you know, man, all of a sudden now, man, there's a lot of attention. And, and, and instead of the focus being on what's happening in the worship service, everybody was looking back at the back of the, the auditorium. And then a few kids trickle back and say, hey, Pastor Mike, it's so good to see you. You're the pizza guy. You come to my school on Tuesday. You come to my school on Wednesday. You come to my school. On... And, man, we had dozens of kids now back there talking to us. And, you know, as this conversation is happening, God began to speak to me. God says, Mike, you like all this attention, don't you? <laughs> Who, me? <laughs> Lord, this isn't about me. It's about you. What do you think about me? He says, you, you, you like all this attention, don't you? You know what? This is my house. This is the house of God. They've come here to worship me, not you. In fact, you know what he told me? This house isn't big enough for both of us. So you know what? I leaned over. I told Rachel. I said, babe, we better pack our stuff and we better roll because we've become a distraction. Can I tell you this? Pride walks into a room and says, what about me? Humility walks into a room and says, who can I serve? Come on, do you see the difference? Humility is a beautiful trait. And I pray that as a church, and here's what I begin to think about as, a, as our spiritual family here at Healing Place. Lord, as you continue to bless this house, God, as, as you continue to put favor on Healing Place, may we always be more concerned about you bringing honor and glory to you than we are in drawing attention to ourselves. You see, David reached the throne and he steps into that leadership role and success for him was not about status. It was about service. Who can I serve? Listen, who from the house of Saul is still alive? Because I want to show kindness. Come on. Humility gives you the ability to serve other people. Beware of the dangers of pride. In fact, I want you to do this. Write down the word pride somewhere. Put it in all capital letters because pride is big and it boasts of itself. Now, what's the letter in the very center of that word? It's right there in the middle, I. Pride is all about me. Listen, if pride can turn an angel into the devil, just think what it can do in your life, in my life. We've got to be cautious as God blesses us, as he puts favor upon us. We don't look to serve ourselves. God will increase your success in order to increase your serve. Don't just play up to people you think are important, but honor the little guy 
add value to the person that can do nothing for you. Can I have a good amen? Oh, I love that. And my parents taught me that. My dad was very, very adamant about treating all people equally. You don't just honor those who are big in status and and maybe they can help you in your future. You honor the the, the least and the, the, the last and the lonely. Pay just as much attention to the nobody as you would the somebody. Come on. Can I have a better amen? I think this is so important. He said, son, when you go to school, you better know the name of that lunch lady. Call her by name when you walk through that food line. You better know the name of your janitor, that custodian that cleans up after you every night. Come on now, talk to me. Doesn't matter how big and how famous or how important you are. Man, you're not trying to climb some ladder to reach some level of status. However God has blessed us, let's use it as a platform to add value to others. David said, is there anyone from Saul's house that I can be kind to? I love that. Leverage the success in your life for the service of others. You know, one of my friends, Kevin, Kevin Mawai, played football at LSU, played 16 years in the NFL. In fact, I think I saw Tracy in here earlier today. He had this taped up in his locker, and I never forgot it. He had this little saying. It said this, talent comes from God, be thankful. Fame comes from man, be humble. Conceit comes from self, be careful. Come on now. God had elevated David and brought him to a position, the highest position of the land, but he's seeking to serve Saul's descendants. You see, the danger is once you reach your goals, sometimes you stop doing the little things that you used to do that got you there. Second thing, look at this. Let's skip on down to verse 5. So David, David sent for him. And brought him from Maker's home. His name was Mephibosheth. There he is. I finally give him a name. Oh, Bo. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And oh, Bo replied, I'm your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you. Why? Because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I'll give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. I love this. You see, the first thing, how do you handle success? Humility. Humility serves others. But the second thing, I want you to write this down because this is a big word too. Write down the word integrity. You know what integrity does? Integrity remembers its promises. If humility allows us to serve others, integrity remembers its promises. The grandson of David's greatest enemy, now right here, Mephibosheth, Oboe, is at David's mercy. And how does David respond? David, rather than remembering the conflict that he had with Saul, he chooses to remember his friendship with Jonathan. Can I tell you this? You're going to have to choose what to remember and what to forget. If you're going to walk integrity, if if you're going to walk in in purity and holiness and honor, if you're going to handle success well, there are some things that you're just going to have to forget and other things you're going to have to hold on to. There comes a time in every person's life when they have to decide that what Jesus did for them is bigger than what anybody has done to them. Can I say that one again? 
Because there's going to come a time in your life you're going to have to make a decision. Lord, what you did for me is bigger than what that person did to me. You see, had David remembered everything that Saul had done, Saul tried to kill him. And now here's Saul's grandson right here at his mercy. David chooses to remember the promise that he made to Jonathan. David had made a promise saying, listen, I'm going to be honorable to your family and your, your kids, your descendants. I'll treat them as if they're mine. Can I tell you, integrity doesn't change. Integrity is being the same in public as you are in private. And that's something that I hope that all of us work very hard to do. You know, we're not putting on an image or a face when we come here to church. I hope that what you see here on this stage is exactly what you'll get whenever I'm at your house eating food out of your refrigerator. (laughs) I don't want to be one way in public and another way in private. How many know that's not integrity? Integrity is being who you are regardless of if anybody's watching or not. My reputation is who I am in front of you. But my character is who I am when I'm with that girl right there. And I pray that who I am on this stage is equal to who I am when I'm at my house with my children. You see, David didn't allow success to change him because he was a man of integrity. He was going to keep his promises. He said, listen, I made a promise to Jonathan that his children, would, I would treat them as if they were mine. Now, had David thought about everything Saul had done to him? I'll tell you what, how many know David would not have handled the success that God was trying to give him? If you remember everything that people do to you, then it's easy to let bitterness come in. Come on now, am I talking to anybody? Crazy thoughts come in to sabotage the success that God's trying to give you. My grandfather used to say, you can walk with the council of kings, but never lose the common touch. I love that about David. He was just so common. He says, Mephibosheth, listen, I want to give you all the land that is, was, was assigned to your family. Oh, and, and by the way, you're going to come here and you're going to hang out with me. David remembered his promises. I love the scripture in Psalm 15, verse 1. The scripture says this, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who keep their promises even when it hurts. Come on, somebody. David made a promise. He made a commitment. He made a vow. And because of the integrity that was in his life, he was going to fulfill the vow that he made. You know, it's an election year. In a few months, we'll be casting votes. President, a lot of people, you know, running on different platforms state and, and federal seats of position. In a campaign world, the, 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 the message is this. If you elect me, I promise I'll do these things as your leader. Elect me. If you'll give me your vote, I'll do these things. And how many of you know that sometimes in the political realm that good intentions eventually lead to empty promises? Well, I'll do this. Uh, here's my platform. Here's my commitment to you. And an individual steps into office, and then all of a sudden, they forget the promises that they've made. And they think, whoa, time out, time out. That's why I think a lot of people are discouraged when it comes to the political process. Uh, a lot of people are just disengaged. And how many of you know that our hope is not necessarily in the White House, but it's in God's house? 
that, that, that God Almighty, and I'm, like you, I'm praying for this great nation. I'm pray, praying that God would bring forgiveness to us as a people and healing to this nation. And that as we, when we go to the ballots, that we're going to vote our values. This is what I told our staff Thursday, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm fully committed to this. I don't vote for a person. I vote for principles. And the principles that are in this book guide the decisions that I make when I go to the ballots. And I pray that whoever assumes office, when they put their hand on this book and they take an oath, that they know what this book says and they're committed to live according to the principles of this book. Can I have a good amen? Sometimes good intentions lead to empty promises. You know, sometimes we've even said things. You know what? Listen, when I'm a parent, I'll never let my kids act that way in public. (laughs) How many can remember years ago? Maybe you're out on a date with your honey bunny and you see these crazy kids at that restaurant and you start talking about, hey, baby, when we get married, we ain't never going to let our kids act like that. And guess what happens? You have kids. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? And they go crazy in public. And then you're like, now when you're in a restaurant and you see kids and, man, they're screaming and you look at those poor parents, you're like, God help them. Help those parents. I feel your pain, brother. I love you. No judgment here. Come on, somebody. Right? Right? Or, you know, when I get married, baby, look, when, when we get married, we will never go to bed angry. We're just not going to, we're going to be different than all those. I see those married couples and they're so mad. Not us. And then you get married and you have a little altercation, a little complication, a little intense fellowship. Come on, talk to me. You've been sleeping on the couch the last three days. Hello. Or you know what, baby, if God will ever give us a house. You know, my grandparents' house is always so hot. Man, that thermo- if God will ever give us a house, man, that thermostat's going to be nice and cool. We're going to set that baby down low. And then you start paying the utility bills. <laughs> and your kids are sweating it out. And you're like, hey, put on a tank top and some shorts, bless God. Come on, are you in me? <laughs> Do I need to give any more examples of how this works? I remember telling my parents, I just can't wait to get older. When I get older, I'm going to stay up as late as I want. Right? And then how many of you know, as adults, man, we're in bed by 8.30, 9 o'clock. Woo, Jesus. Good intentions sometimes lead to empty promises. David, he made a promise. He made a covenant to Jonathan. He said, I'm going to treat your family as if they were mine. He seeks out Mephibosheth. And everybody thought that the, the, the protocol would be in this man's life because he's the threat to your kingdom. Now, what I didn't tell you is this. The Bible says that Mephibosheth was crippled. Now, here's how he was crippled. When he was five years old, his grandfather and his father died in battle. And so the nurse that was tending to him, because they know how this works, as soon as one king, as soon as one old regime passes, another king comes to power, and that king's going to kill everybody in the family. And so she picks him up, five years old, and races out the house. The Bible says she drops him. She dropped him, and at that moment, he became crippled. Interesting. Now, what could this little crippled young man 
possibly do to threaten David? David says, no, I'm going to treat you as if you're one of mine. Look at what it says here. Let me read this last portion. Verse 11. From that time on, Mephibosheth, he ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. You're going to come sit at my table. This is, this is beautiful. I, I love this picture because David walked in humility. It gave him an opportunity to serve others. Because he, he stood in integrity, he remembered the promises that he had made to Jonathan. But the third thing and the last thing I want you to see is this. Write down the word generosity. Because of David's generosity, he made room at the table for Mephibosheth. You know what generosity will allow you to do? I mean, let me tell you something about success. When God places favor or gives you blessing or you step into a season of success, that is your chance to bring people into the circle of God's love. Success ought to challenge you to enlarge your perspective, including others. Mephibosheth didn't have a chance. But the king called him out. Not to end his life, but to bless his life. Do you see this? This is such a beautiful picture of the grace of God for us. David was so generous that he made room. Who should have been his enemy became his friend. And not just his friend, but became part of his family. Because it's family that sits at the table. Generosity makes room in your circle for others. You know, several months ago, Trevor had a birthday back in July. And so he got some of his little buddies together. And uh, we took them to one of the little trampoline parks. I forget which one it was. I don't know, 51 something, some. Area, Area 51. Area 51. Dad, I want to go jump all day at Area 51. So we got his little buddies together, and they went to the trampoline park, and then we rolled over to the mall, go to the food court, and then we got our Chick-fil-A, got this cookie cake, man. So we're eating Chick-fil-A, Polynesian sauce, got this big old cookie cake, happy birthday, Trevor. So we're, we're, we're there, there sitting in the, the food court, and we're singing happy birthday to him. He's got his buddies, and everybody's kind of, you know, it's, it's the mall. It's, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. But I noticed that the table next to us, there was a family that had a couple of small kids, and they were eyeing that cookie cake. I could see as we were cutting slices, you know, we'd already done the candles, we sang the song, cutting slices, and man, they're over here. I could see them out of the corner of my, my vision, and man, they, they were whispering something to mama, and they were pointing to that cookie cake. So I just kept cutting that cookie cake. Everybody had been served. Anybody want any seconds? Oh, we're good, we're good. So I cut a few extra slices. I walked over, I said, hey, listen, would you like a couple of pieces of this cookie cake? And they looked at their mama like, mama, is it Okay. She's like, sure. So I, I gave them slices of cookie cake, and then I looked at mom. I said, you know what? I bet you probably want one of these, too. She said, please. <laughs> so we gave out cookies. Now, listen, it was Trevor's birthday, but I thought, you know what? God, you, you've been so good to us. Man, let, let's, let's bless other people. So then we started kind of walking around. We ran into a few people. In fact, ran into a few of you HPC people. And, uh, man, I had this big old box of cookie cake. Hey, Trevor's birthday today. Would you like some cookie cake? Sure. We gave out cookie cake. We're walking all through the food court. I'm, I mean, I'm walking up to complete strangers. 
Hey, we got some cookie cake. You know what? I don't mind if I do. Thank you. I felt like the Pied Piper walking all through that mall, giving cookie cake to everybody that I saw. I thought, here's the beauty of that. You know, it was Trevor's birthday, but they got the blessing. That, that's what generosity is all about. Instead of taking success and making it about you, well, it's really my birthday, my cookie cake. No, 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 no. Let's use your birthday as an opportunity to bless others. That's exactly what David did. David became king and he stepped into success. And what did he use it for? Not for status, but about service. He wanted to bless others. Mephibosheth represents you and me. All of us. We've been crippled by a fall. Think about it. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, you and I were crippled. We became crippled by a fall. But watch this. We were sought after by a king. Mm, And I'm not talking about King David. I'm talking about the king of kings. He saw us in our brokenness, and he sought for us. Now listen. And we were living down in Lodabar, a wasteland without hope, and God came and found us in a far country. And he saved us, not for our sake, but for his. Jonathan reached, I mean, David reached out to Mephibosheth, not for his sake, but because of his commitment to Jonathan. And then finally, what did David do? You're going to come eat at my table. You know what God says for each and every one of us? You come sit at my table. Hey, it's about my son and his birthday, but I got a little cookie cake I'll give to you. And here's the beautiful thing. The crippled feet of Mephibosheth, they fit right underneath that table. Can I tell you something about grace? Grace covers. Grace doesn't expose. Grace makes room at the table and covers your faults. And here's what I I wanted to close this way. I felt so strongly about this even this weekend as I prayed for this particular message. I'm going to pray that as God continues to bless you, that you handle success Handle it with humility. Handle it with integrity. Bless God. Handle it with generosity. But here's how I want to pray. Some of you, you, you need to find your place at God's table. You need, you, you've been hiding out in Lodabar, crippled, living in fear as a fugitive. And God says, no, 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 no. I've got room for you at my table. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.